The views and opinions expressed by any hosts or guests of WJMS Radio do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to WJMS Radio or the show hosts whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Are we on the air? You're listening to WJMSRadio.com. Jam. This chick is a sick individual. You're tuned in to Sound Off with your girl Jams right here on WJMSRadio.com. There is no competition. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Sound Off right here on WJMS Radio. This is your girl, Jams. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I know I was not live last week. I apologize. Things come up in the world. (laughs) You guys know I'm busy all the time, Um, but I am with you guys now, and I'm excited to be here. So first and foremost, um, I just want to give a shout out to... the quarantine <laughs> and everything that happened last year because I really started getting into a lot of cooking shows uh, last year and a little bit the year before because I was binge watching a whole lot of TV and stuff while at home. Um, that being said, I have special celebrity chef Kenneth J. McDuffie with me. He is a contestant or a former contestant on uh, Hell's Kitchen season 19 from Las Vegas. You can actually see and stream the episodes on Hulu. Uh, really, really excited excited because I've been kind of watching you, you know, as a Facebook friend, you know, your whole journey and stuff like that. And I was so excited when you said that you were uh, selected as a, a contestant to be on the show. I was like, oh, that is so exciting. Cause I like, I just started getting into Hell's Kitchen and stuff like that. And I've been watching like Master Chef Junior, which was how I, I really started to get into the cooking shows. Yes. Um, mostly cause the little kids just, I was astonished by the little kids. I'm like, oh, these kids are cooking stuff that I can't even pronounce and they're doing it well. I'm like, what is happening? I'm making my ramen at the house. Like, all right, like, <laughs> you know, so I got into cooking shows from MasterChef Junior. And then I started of course, branching out to the other shows because there's so many of them, but Hell's Kitchen is always one that I've liked and 19 seasons of it is, whew, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And so, But the show is not going to be all about you being on Hell's Kitchen because there's more to you than Hell's Kitchen, of course. Um, Like I mentioned, you know, you're from Philadelphia. You just recently moved to South Carolina, which is awesome. You're like right next door to me. I'm in Savannah. Uh, But why don't you give the audience a little bit of background on, you know, who you are and, you know, how you got your start in cooking? Good afternoon, everyone. Um, So I'm a North Philly native, born and raised up in North Philadelphia. I was raised by... Uh, my um, great-grandmother, um, pretty much, um, I didn't want to be a chef. I didn't know if there was, it was possible, you know, to be a chef. You know, I grew up in a family where, you know, I watched my great-grandmother, grandparents, my parents, everyone cooked. And, you know, when we cook, you know, we cook with passion and love. You know, you know who house to go to for the holidays and for dinner. Because, you know, you was going to get that good fried chicken, potato salad, macaroni and cheese, the greens, <laughs> the desserts, and all this stuff like that. So, um, you know, pretty much, you know, just growing up having three living great-grandmothers and grandparents and aunts and uncles and everybody who cook, you know, you getting the best of both worlds. So, um, you know, I didn't see, you know, black men or black women, you know, walking that street in a chef coat, say, I'm on my way to work. 
you know, when I turned on TV, I didn't see anyone that looked like me or you, you know, on TV cooking. So pretty much, you know, I idolized um, Chef Julia Childs. I loved her. She was yep. very quirky. She, she, she made it okay to make mistakes. And, you know, she made cooking fun. So, you know, I idolized, you know, this um, Caucasian older woman, you know, they used to come on Channel 12 PBS. And, you know, she was cooking, she <laughs> yep. was made cooking fun. So, you know, pretty much there, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a school teacher. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach. I wanted to educate. And, you know, that was just a passion of mine. So here we go years later, you know, fast forward and almost 15, 20 years later, I mean, I found my passion in cooking, you know, I just turned with, I was like a gift and turned into mm -hmm. a dream. And now I'm living the dream that God has grant for me. So it's actually a blessing. I love that. I absolutely love that. So you said you're from North Philly, you know, shout out to North Philly. Of course, I lived in Philadelphia for about 10 years, a little outside of Philly. Let me not even claim Philly because people get mad when I do that. But in any case, I was in Pennsylvania in that area, around okay. Temple area. Um, and so I wanted to see, I mean, I know, you know, of course you said you grew up with your grandmothers and all that good cooking. How has either your, your upbringing with them or your Philadelphia sort of, you know, childhood influenced how you cook? Let me tell you something. I'm a Philly boy to the heart, you know, <laughs> like, um, what we say, I'm a Philly John, uh, born <laughs> and bred in Philadelphia, yep. North Philadelphia, you know, born and raised up in a church. So, you know, um, just being around so many um, black, strong women and men, you know, who cooked, who baked, who tossed yep. and turned. You've seen them in the kitchen with their wigs off or their hair tied <laughs> up, their house coats, their apron. You know, yep. they're not measuring anything, no cookbooks. They were throwing this in here, throwing that, tasting this, tasting that. And I watched them do that. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to do that. I yes. never knew it was in me to do it. I mean, I just like always been cooking as a little kid. Like my motto that I have for my business, it started with a potato and a knife. And the story I always told is that, you know, like probably at the age of five or six, I was in the house with my great grandmother and, you know, she was known for making potato salad. Everybody mm -hmm. wants her potato salad. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everyone wants a potato salad. And she gave me a knife. And the potato, and she said, Kenny, start cutting it. Here I go at five, six years old. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Now, here I go. I'm just watching her. So you know how some people, they know how to play the piano by, you know, just by looking or just by yep. listening. I just started cooking by watching and just by, you know, just looking and seeing what she was doing. And one thing I tell you, in a black family, you don't mess up fried chicken, you don't mess up potato salad, and you don't mess up macaroni and cheese, and you don't mess up the collard greens. If you Message. cannot do those things, do not cook it. Yep. Don't do it. So Absolutely. You know, I have That's been so doing it ever since. So, you know, it's something about she never gave me a recipe. I just watched everything that she did and everything that she had done for 11 years of my life that she raised before she departed this earth. I have mentally had all those recipes in my head and I have been using those recipes till this day. And just add a little extra spin and stuff on them. So, you know, everything comes from great grandmother. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, what's crazy is you were telling me that story and I'm laughing because, you know, I'm trying to learn how to cook in the kitchen with my mom and she's like, she's making macaroni and cheese. And I'm like, okay, well, how many, how many cups of milk are you putting in? She's like, oh, just pour it till it looks like this. And I'm like, no, no, I don't have your pans. Like, I need you to tell me, right. <laughs> is this two cups? Is it three? Is it one and a half? Like, I can't be eyeballing my pans. Like, you got to tell me right. what these measurements are. That's, That's how they cook. Right. That's why it's taking me a little bit longer than normal to get this cookbook out because I don't measure. I season (laughs) and taste until my ancestors say, okay, Kenny, that's enough. (laughs) I was going to say that. I was like, I saw that on Facebook. Someone's like, you just season until the ancestors whisper to you that that's good. (laughs) So until my great grandmother say, that's enough, that's enough. (laughs) So that's how I go about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one of the things that was most frustrating is I'm like, hey, what is a pinch? Like you're just you're just throwing stuff in the pan, man. I'm like, what? Uh, you know, but it's it comes with cooking. You just have to learn how to, you know, do trial and error. You have to figure out how much or how little and and you know, base it on taste. And like you say, you gotta listen to the ancestors. They gonna whisper in and say, That's good, baby, you good. Like you don't right. need to add no more. Um, but it's, it's funny because that just, that brought me back to trying to figure out how to cook and learn from my mom in the kitchen. I'm just like, she's not telling me no kind of measurements. <laughs> like, and I just had to chuckle at that. But so, all right, you guys just transitioned. Congratulations on your move and everything you. you have going on, the wedding and everything. Um, you guys just transitioned down to South Carolina. What sparked that move? Like, what was the reason for the move? Well, uh, my fiance lives in South Carolina. So, you know, it was either him moving to Philadelphia or I move here. Uh, Pretty much he's a celebrity chef in his own right down here in South Carolina with already business and stuff under his belt. Yeah, I was, you know, my uh, my goal was to open up a restaurant and it seemed like something in Philadelphia was hindering me from finding that place in the city for me to open up. Um, the pandemic hit, so, you know, pretty much everything shut down, everything wasn't moving, pretty much everybody was stuck. So pretty much I came from just doing, working full time to now being home, you know, being bored, putting on the quarantine week, you know, started <laughs> doing cooking classes and stuff at on live. And pretty much I found my soulmate pretty much, you know, hey, it was just like, look, I want to take this journey and you know i'm re- i'm tired of philadelphia i'm ready to move and spread my wings i'm ready to move so it was the decision for i for myself to move and take this transition to move to south carolina and i've been down here for two months and I've, i'm gonna be honest with you this has been the best decision of my life to transition from the north to the south and yeah. now i'm down here and i like i put out on such and i say even in the midst of a pandemic because we're still in a pandemic we're not over i mm-hmm. we because me and my fiance now we are into business together we were blessed with a four thousand three hundred square foot building which we get ready to turn into a full service restaurant and a coffee shop and you know everything like all in one so it's like a need for it down here in the south because a lot of people say oh the south they got all the good soul food restaurants that's not necessarily true. It all depends on where you at in the South. Yeah. And I'm in an area where it's diverse, but it's a need for good soul food cooking. So my vision, our vision is I'm bringing the North. We have the South and we bring it together. 
right here in South Carolina. So you're going to have the Philly cheesesteaks, meat, the soul food that they have down here, yes. bringing the water ice, bringing the pretzels, bringing the tasty cakes. So bringing the slang, like the John and all this. Stuff. So we're bringing <laughs> it down. So it's like, it's, I mean, I can't wait to share the launch date and the name and everything. So I'm telling everybody, stay tuned for what's going to happen this coming week for the name and the launch date and everything. And we're going to give everybody behind the scenes uh, what's about to happen with this new restaurant. Yo, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes, you come, said yes. you, you all you had to say was Philly cheesesteak and I'm there because there's places now that be like, oh, we got Philly cheesesteaks. And I'm like, do you, though? Let me do tell you, you? I moved <laughs> down here. So, you know, we actually have uh, a coffee shop in um, one of the malls here in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So um, he's been here for two years. So pretty much now coming on as a co-owner of the business, he have already been doing Philly cheesesteak. I'm like, OK, how you do your Philly cheesesteak? They put provolone, they put lettuce, tomatoes, mayo, bell peppers, and fried onions. I'm like, that's not nah. a good cheesesteak. So it was so funny because I said, hold on, you have to order these Omarosa rolls from Philadelphia. So you got <laughs> to use American cheese, bro. And Thank you. you. Take out the peppers, you have to keep the fried onions. And then we had some customers who were visiting from Philadelphia and they asked for a Philly cheesesteak. And I was like, yo, I'm from Philly. They wanted the Philly way, and they got it, and they enjoyed it. So now we're not doing this Thank southern you. way or whatever. We're actually doing authentic Philly cheesesteaks right here in South Carolina. I will be down to see you for sure because I'm yeah. like, oh, oh, my God. We got a, a question in the chat that said, all right, and the, I guess they're putting you to the Philly test right now. Uh, where is a really good Philly cheesesteak at? The good, the best, let me tell you something, the best Philly cheesesteaks is in the inner city. I grew up at um, 17th and Erie, so Kevin Hart was on one side, and I was on the other. Max's is good. I love Delisandro's. Delisandro's. Um, I love, oh. Yeah, I, I miss <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm not a Geno's or Pat's. Fan. No, no, no. That's no. for tourists. I like yeah. Ishkabibbles. Now, if I want, I like Ishkabibbles on South Street, but I, love, I grew up on Max's. I grew up on a good corner poppy store cheesesteak. Um, it was a, a, a store where I grew up called Mr. Henry's down in North Philly, um, a black man, black owned store. I mean, we used to call him Boogie Nose Henry because he had a dirty apron. <laughs> I don't think this man ever made, made he rest in peace, but he made the best cheesesteaks. So whoever grew up in North Philly down like 26 and Martian Street, y'all know about Mr. Henry. So I say if you're coming to Philly, definitely go into the hood. Get you a yeah. hood cheesesteak. Max's is good. They keep it authentic, but... I'm not with the Genos or the Pats. So my brother came to visit me a few years ago when I was still living in Philly. And he's like, yeah, I got to go to Pats and Genos. I got to go to Pats and Genos. And I'm like, please, please let me take you to a place to get a real cheesesteak. I'm like, right. I could take you to 17 mom and pop shops that will make you a better cheesesteak than Pats and Genos is going to exactly. make you. Those are literally tourist spots. And he wouldn't. He's like, no, I got to have them. I was like, all right, go ahead and get your trash cheesesteak. And I'm going to go over here to Max's or to Jim's on South Street. And I'm going to get me a cheesesteak that's supposed to look like it's supposed to look like. Right. Like, come on now. So I, I was like, yes, when you said no Pats and Genos, I was like, thank you. You just, you passed your Philly test right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so let's dive into, you know, how you've progressed because I know that you didn't just wake up and all of a sudden you're on Hell's Kitchen. So what was it that you did to get the net, the, the, the tap to say, Hey, we want you to be a contestant. What was that like for you? So let me tell you this. So I actually looked on my Facebook memories today. Today marked two years 
that I was flying out to Las Vegas to be on Hell's Kitchen, but no one didn't know. Um, everybody, my family, friends, everybody thought I was in Africa. So I was posting up these fake pictures and videos of, of stuff in Africa. God knows I was not there. I don't even know how to deep, search real deep, but nobody wouldn't trace it back to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so two years ago, um, today actually was me flying out to Vegas for Hell's Kitchen. Um, two years ago, um, I was dealing with depression. Um, I uh, tried to take my um, life, <coughs> um, new, like try to take it more than once. So I actually sat in my bathroom and no, I actually sat in my living room and I went on Facebook, I made a video and I posted a video and I said, I just couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, God saw fit and said, you know what, Kenny, it is not your time. You know, um, you have so much to live for. So I got a, um, a text from a friend of mine and she was like, Kenny, Hell's Kitchen is casting. You need to apply for Hell's Kitchen. And I was like, girl, they're not going to cast me. I don't think <laughs> I'm ready. I applied for the show. I auditioned for the show. Everything was like so on Skype and I was, it was just going so fast. Next thing you know, boom. They say you are now a contestant, um, you know, on this season of Hell's Kitchen. I thought it was still alive. Like, wow. Try to me. And I looked, and I, when I got that information saying that I was flying out, I was like, you know, this is nothing but God. I said, I'm just a black boy from North Philadelphia who did not go to culinary school, have no culinary training. Everything that I do and have been doing for all these years has been self-taught. Just everything came from the muscle. Everything, it was just a gift. You know, yep. I'm not trained so everything i pick up and learn you know i learned from you know just watching all the people around me have been doing it for all these years so you know it's just truly been a blessing and i don't take it for granted if i could do it all over i would do it all over the same way i would not change a bit at all because i have a testimony it's like whatever i went through and whatever i was going through it was able to help the next person you know not go through what i went through i was actually out here saving lives saving my life as well as everybody else in this life. I have touched so many people's hearts because people's like, Kenny, I was going through the same thing. You have saved my life. People who I don't even know have reached out on Facebook, Instagram, and it was like, you know what? It made me stronger and made me a better person who I am today. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's what makes people's, you know, that's what makes people get drawn to somebody. You know, when you have a genuine story, when you're, people can smell the BS from a mile away. They can right. smell when you're not being genuine, you know, they exactly. can tell. And so when you're out here and you're, you're having your testimony and you're talking about your journey and the stuff that you've gone through, people identify with that because they recognize it's coming from a real place. So that's deep, you know, and I, I, I'm so glad that you came back from that cliff that you were on. And I, I don't know how on earth you was posting fake pictures of Africa. That's hilarious. And <laughs> like, I forgot, I, let me tell you something. You know what? Um, you know what the phone is a blessing because you can crop, you can, oh edit, yeah, you can do all this stuff like that. So here I go in my hotel room in Vegas posting this picture and these videos like, oh yeah, I'm in Africa. Hold up, but no one never said Kenny. Why we can't see you? People's like, oh yeah, Kenny Africa. He must didn't want to take no pictures. But somebody <laughs> people started catching. It was like, hold up, now <laughs> you're too quiet now. You ain't post nothing else. So I was on hush. Um, for until Fox and everyone to the production company say, hey, okay, now y'all can start promoting and letting people know that you was on Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, so what is that like? Because, I, I mean, I know that during filming, I know they're very strict about what you can and can't say, what you can and can't do. Like, I'm not even sure if you're allowed to contact your family and uh, friends and talk something. to them. 
they done took my iPad, they took my cell phone, they took my wallet, they took debit cards, they took magazine books, they took Apple watches, watches, whatever it is that you can have some type of communication to the outside world or something you can say, hey, look, I have downtime. Let me take this refrigerator manual and sit here and read it. They want your unembodied, undivided attention. They want you to focus on this competition. So pretty much that's not me because like, if I have downtime, I need to fall back, chill, read a book, turn on TV, be on something. And they kind of like messed me up because I was like, hold up. I'm not used to this. <laughs> I'm not used to just like not having my phone or some type of communication with the outside world. So it was kind of, it was challenging. It was very, it was challenging for a lot of us. Yeah, I bet it was. And I always wonder that about reality shows because they don't want you leaking information. They don't want you, you know, getting distracted or whatever. So, I mean, now you guys took, did this filming in Las Vegas. That's like right. the center of distraction. Now, so did well, they let you go out at all? Right. We, no, hold up. We was in the middle of the desert. This was all a soundstage. So this was a set. We are the first season to actually to have be able to film in Vegas. When you look at season one through 18, it was all filmed in um, L.A. So mm -hmm. we are the first season, the freshman season, to have this opportunity to be in Las Vegas. And like when I tell people, when y'all look at the show, we have filmed this show two years ago. So this is way before COVID. So okay, you don't yeah. see social distance. You don't see us wearing masks. Um, only time that we got to go outside into the world is when you win a challenge or something was outside. So pretty much you was confined to this soundstage and to this makeshift room and all this living quarters that they built for you up on set. Wow. And how long were you in that dorm before you started filming? Like, I know you guys kind of on, on the show, obviously I've watched the show at this point, but you come in and the, the way they film it, they make it look like, all right, you're all gathering up. They're like, Hey, welcome to hell's kitchen. Then it's like, boom, now you're all, you know, in the dorm. And then yeah. like, maybe next day you start filming. When do you yeah. start filming? So when I feel so say, for example, I flew in today, I flew into Vegas today. You yeah. have a car that picks you up from the airport, like, you know, and they take you, swoop you all to this beautiful hotel in Las Vegas. Um, they put you up in this beautiful suite. They don't give you a room key. You're in this room. You don't know who's going to be on the show. You don't know who's your competitors. You don't know who the contestants are, anything. Any, you don't know anything. Next yeah. You know, oh, we have breakfast for you. Oh, we have lunch for you. We have dinner for, I'm like, okay, hold up. Well, do I have an option to order something what I want? Uh, you have to call people or tell people to say, I want to smoke. If you smoke, so I'm not a smoker, so I didn't have to go out and smoke or anything. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of funny. So then the next day, they come in, the big producers of Fox and everything at the production company, they come in, they sit in your hotel room, they pick out your clothes. They pick out this awful outfit that I do not <laughs> like. <laughs> Wait, you didn't bring your own clothes? Don't you get to bring your own clothes? You here? bring all your own clothes, but they go through your suitcase and say, oh, you should wear this, you should wear that. So if you yeah. see the show, I had on some cheetah chucks. I had on these ugly green pants, and mm -hmm. I had on this striped shirt, and I had on a hat. So I'm always known for wearing a hat. So I had yeah. this little nice little fedora on. And that was like my signature, just like wearing a hat. And they liked the look. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go for that. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I, I remember, what did I watch? We had binge watched um, this barbecue show, it was Pitmaster. And I remember like, like reading something about it and they said that they actually made them wear the same thing every single day. They like oh, yeah, watched I it for them. Hold up. And so 
if you look when you go into the confessionals, they say, well, you know what, you got to go put that shirt on. So if you look like, I mean, like if you look deep, you could kind of see like my sleeves was wrinkled because yes. I pulled my sleeves up in one part of um, the thing. And when I pulled it down, it was wrinkled. You could see I had like a food stain on the shirt <laughs> that I was like, okay, I couldn't get it out. So it was just, I'm like, oh my God. Then it was like, you had to put back the same clothes and whatever your hair was, you had to wear the same way. It was like, it was I got you looking bummy. Guys, <laughs> but for the girls, I, I, child, man, y'all females, like, oh my God, I got to wear my hair the same way. It, they were sleeping in makeup. It was. Oh like, my gosh. It was, it was hilarious. Behind the scenes is hilarious. I can only imagine. That's insane. Like, it, I mean, why can't you just, I don't get why you can't wear what you want to wear. Like, can I be comfortable in the clothes I'm cooking right, in? It's like, all for TV. They have to get <sighs> the aesthetics. They have to get the whole, you know, they, they, it's all about production. I give my, I tip my hat off to production. I yeah. say, you know, they have the best job in the world. They can make something out of nothing. So <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I believe it. So going along with that, I know that, you know, when you watch cooking shows, when you watch any reality show, there's cutscenes where they pull, you know, contestants or people, cast members to the side to talk about what's happening on screen. I'm trying to figure out when they do that because it's like, obviously they can't pull you off the line when you're in the middle of cooking to say, Hey, how's it going? Like I'm in the middle of burning my steak. Can you put me back on the line? Right. Like when do you pull, come back and do that? Right. They don't pull you off. There's about a hundred cameras all around you. When you look up, there's a thousand cameras above you. So yeah. pretty much, um, you know, you have Chef Ramsay in the kitchen. Then you have your your stew chefs um, in the kitchen also working with you. So they coming around tasting. Chef Ramsay's giving his critiques. Everyone giving their critiques. Uh, kind of me is like, you know, when you see they say I burnt my chicken. I didn't burn my chicken. I didn't All right, let's get the, let's get the tea <laughs> of the potato parmesan chicken situation <laughs> let's let's get the tea because <laughs> i know you want to share it <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to share this with the viewers and anyone out there watching so y'all have to understand two years ago mind you i'm like i'm like let me put it let me sum it up i was just off i wasn't even fully healed of dealing with depression i was still going through so much so me being on the show actually saved my life but in my mind, I mentally, I wasn't even all the way there. Yeah. So let's start with the chicken. I did not burn that chicken. That chicken was moist. It was a little, it was like, you know, us, black folks, we like, we like to see color. Yeah. That was the paprika and the oil. And I think I had added some, some type of chicken something into the pan just to keep it moist. The chicken was not burned. It was not scorched. They made it seem like that because that's number one. Yeah. The second one was when I was making uh, Alfredo sauce from scratch. So I had the fresh grated Parmesan cheese and I was grating it. When they see that block of Parmesan cheese dropped in a bowl, I was grating the cheese in the bowl to take mm -hmm. the bowl to the stove and where the, um, the cream was at to mix it in there. They did not show you guys that. No, they so just showed when, the big jump of cheese in there. Right. So <laughs> either I thought someone dropped a piece of cheese because cheese should have melted. It did melt. So mm -hmm. what you don't see is that you have all these people. You don't know who's around. Someone could have came and took the cheese and dropped it in there and made it seem like it was you. So they make it seem. It's crazy. So <laughs> I'm telling everybody, I make Alfredo sauce from scratch so much. I know about the back of my hand. 
I did not jump. So I thought it was a piece of potato. It looked like potatoes. You know, <laughs> like, like, I think it's a potato, <laughs> chef. <laughs> that was a funny scene. I was like, no, Kenny, no. <laughs> it's potato gate. So it's so funny ah. that I'm known for potato. So it's potato gate. So that was trending all over Twitter. So everybody kept saying potato gate, potato gate, potato gate. Yep. So it's so funny. Everybody keep on asking. No, no, we so proud of you. Happy to see you on. We was rooting for you. You were my favorite. But what about this potato? And I was like, yo, it was so funny. So, hey, I'm living up to that. So when Listen. Chef said potato gate, I was like, yeah, that's what it is. So I got it. All work. publicity <laughs> is good publicity. You know what? You need to make an Alfredo to put on your menu to be like, this is Hell's Kitchen Alfredo and Hell's Kitchen Chicken. Yes. And make that because that right there, people will come far and wide just to be like, "Yo, I had that Alfredo. That was good. I don't know what Chef Gordon Ramsay yep. was talking about. It's That'll be a gimmick to the for you." Restaurant is definitely yep. going to be on the menu at the restaurant. That's so good. <laughs> I was cracking up, but so I know you know you got to only cook a couple of meals in the in the kitchen with them, unfortunately. But how long were the days filming for Hell's Kitchen? Because it looked like y'all be like in that kitchen all day. Do you like stop and eat? Do you get to eat your food? Like what happens, man? We don't eat our food that we cook pretty much. And I say shout out to the people that's behind the scenes that's cleaning up the kitchen and cleaning up after us like that. They eat the food or whatever they do with it. Um, I don't think no one eats. You know, we go back to our dorms. We try to eat whatever we have production order and try to cook whatever. It's a lot of stuff that you guys don't see. So we do cook our own food in our dorms. I mean, when we taste testing, you know, we trying to get a meal in because we hungry. <laughs> uh, like, we oh, that's good. Know, Let me just taste it again. <laughs> right. We don't know what day of the week it is. We don't know we, because we have no calendars. Yeah, we that's have right. No clocks. You don't know what it is. You don't know if it's daylight or nighttime until you go outside. But there's a, something that we have to, you know, go outside and do a segment. So it pretty much is like you was lost. Yeah. Like you did not know what was from day to night. So it was funny. Though. It, it was good. I always ask that question, too. I, I mean, once I finished, I, I started, like, I really went down the rabbit hole with uh, MasterChef Junior because I was like, yo, these kids are like, what? And I was trying to figure out, I'm like, because Gordon Ramsay on MasterChef Junior is a totally different Gordon Ramsay than Hell's Let Kitchen. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen and MasterChef Junior or regular MasterChef, he is totally, he is, he is different from both shows because, see, MasterChef, is more for like you know if you are a school teacher or or radio host or even you know anybody a construction worker and you just cooking yep. he's more lenient on those people but hell's kitchen oh you supposed to be the creme de the crown man you supposed to know this other day i'm gonna be hard on you it's hell's kitchen so you want to get the holler and the screaming the throwing yep. get out of the kitchen this other <laughs> so <laughs> that's what you're going to get that's fun. And because uh, I've seen episodes of, of you know, MasterChef Junior where he's like down on one knee face to face with the kids like, listen, why are you crying? And I'm like, who are you? I saw you throw a plate at that chef on MasterChef. <laughs> like, it's but insane. Like, he is a salty. Like we actually, when we won the first challenge, yeah. we actually had dinner with Chef Ramsey and you don't see the full clip, but he was so down to earth, so cool. You know, he poured into me, he poured in all of us, you know, he wants the best for you, but at, at the end of the day, it's still a competition. It's still a show. But yeah. I'm glad that we was able to have that connection one-on-one. Like, I, I look up to Chef Ramsey. You know, I would love to be the next Chef Ramsey, you know, in the African-American form. You know, 
I want to do that. And that's why I have strived to do what I do today, because I want to be an inspiration and a good represent representation for the next up and coming black and brown boys and girls, definitely those who are coming from the inner city, you know, all over the United States. I want them to look on TV and say, you know what? I see Chef Kenny look at, you know, he may not have one Hell's Kitchen, but look, he done cooked for countless celebrities. He started his own catering business. He has his own restaurant. He was on Hell's Kitchen. He was on the news. He on the radio. He had paper. I want to be there. And I don't think I'm no bigger or no better than anybody else. My whole thing is I'm still learning every day. I'm learning how to yep. keep myself relevant and keep myself, you know, um, keep doing something new you know, to keep people's attention. So, you know, that's my goal. Absolutely. And so I have a couple more questions about the Hell's Kitchen experience before we transition over into talking about what you're doing now, like what's coming up on the horizon and what kind of opportunities being on the show has done for you. Um, so I'm curious, and I'm sure other people are curious, is everything on the show a surprise or do they give you some kind of like binder that says, hey, these are some of the things you might be cooking. These are ingredients. Does he just really just throw stuff at you and you're supposed to cook it? Well, you know, um, some stuff is a, is a surprise, like the challenges. So when you yeah. see the crane fell from the sky, and I'm looking like, yeah. they like, dropped all the seafood. <laughs> so you didn't yep. know you was getting ready to do shrimp, but you knew that um, when do, when you do dinner service, which I didn't have the opportunity to do dinner service, you know you want to have the beef wellington. You know yep. you want to have the risotto, of course. Um, you may have pizza as an appetizer. What else is on it? But you do have that. We did get a binder. To tell okay. you everything that you want to make during dinner service. Okay. That's so, good. you know, dinner service, but for the challenges, you don't know what they're going to throw at you. Like, I see one time they was making Caesar salad. Man, I would have killed that child, but he was on a bike. Yeah, yeah. I and, saw that and, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was, a, that was a funny episode watching them try to get on the scooter to bring that up to him. Right. But, um, okay, that's good because I know that there's like, you know, Sometimes they give you a little heads up, like, you know, you or if you watch previous episodes, you might be like, all right, so we know Beef Wellington is a thing. Let me make sure I know how to make me a Beef Wellington. Um, but so last question I have, you know, aside from from other little small things is just, is there anybody that you're still keeping in touch with from the show? Like, what was the camaraderie like for you guys offset? Let me tell you something. We enjoyed each other offset. We really didn't have a chance to really interact, interact, get to know each other. But we have all came together you know, on social media. So I think I'm more connected um, with um, Peter, um, who else? Mary Lou. Okay. Um, oh my God, what's his name? Oh my God. He's from Pennsylvania too. Oh my, what's his name? Declan. Not Declan. I'm talking to my fiance. So yeah. <laughs> well, I talked to Declan. I talked to Cy. Um, uh, pretty much all of them um on there so you know we all made a connection all made a bond we all in uh, hell's kitchen groups uh we have each other phone numbers you know if one person is on live you know we jump on a live and we support each other if someone doing something you know we try to support everybody else you know a lot of everybody is open up their own restaurants they have uh, season lines and food lines coming out you know we're all doing our thing so i can say season 19 you know, it's one of the best seasons. A lot, it brought me us a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, and during this pandemic, absolutely. I was, I was definitely shocked to see Cyango. I was like, what? Like, how That's is she girl. the one? Yes. Have you watched the season at this point? I have watched every episode all the way up, so I already know who won because I have watched. I didn't watch don't don't it. spoil it because it ain't out spoiled. there yet. <laughs> I know who won. Yeah, um, but I didn't want to. 
I could have watched the season because they put it out on social media because it actually got filmed. I mean, I'm sorry, it actually got released in the in the UK and overseas first before America. So okay. we already knew what was going on. So we was already getting fans in the UK before it even, you know, put out here in the um in the States. So we know who the winner is. So we just kept quiet, but I didn't watch the season. I have been watching every week and you know to see what's going on and you mm -hmm. know with everybody. Yeah, I think I'm at I'm I'm binging the season as we speak. I'm not through it all yet, but I know who the final two contestants are. I'm not gonna, you know, spoil it for yeah, anybody. Don't spoil it. But I I'm at the like final two is is they are two of my favorite. Yeah. You know, me too. My, they are two of my favorite. And I, I see their progression. I love how, you know, where both of them came from. So, you know, I'm rooting for him or her. So, <laughs> I see what you did there. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's uh, let's transition a little bit uh, into, you know, what you're doing now. You know, I know you've got the restaurant that you're getting ready to gear up and give us a name and all that, too. So I can come down there and have all your food. Um, but <laughs> what are you doing? You know, like what are the things that have, you know, what opportunities have come from you being on Hell's Kitchen? You know, what have been some of the major changes that have taken place since filming ended? Um, you know. I'm just blessed to be able to be on your show, be on multiple screens of social media shows and news and publication, um, getting engaged is actually a milestone of my transition from moving from Philadelphia to South Carolina, you know, being blessed with this restaurant that's getting ready to happen within the next 60 days. Um, uh, what else we do? Oh, open it up. And there's so much stuff going on. I can't, I just want every, you have to wait until uh, Monday until, um, you know, until we put it out for everybody in the world. So I want everyone to get the gist. So, you know, already you see that the restaurant is coming. I'm working on a cookbook. Okay. Um, me and my fiance, we got a product line coming out. So we're working on that. Um, we adopted, well, we didn't adopt, we bought a golden doodle. So if you see on <laughs> social media, so, you know, Chloe, uh, she's starting to become a part of the brand. So Chloe's about to have her own brand. She's going to have her doggy treats and stuff. We're going to be working on that for her and her little doggy clothes. So that's going to be in the coffee shop in the new restaurant. Is also, oh, here you go right here. Come here, babe. Here you go, the fiance. We Come on, fiance. Hi, fiance. <laughs> Good, good. I've heard, a, well, haven't really heard, but I've seen a lot about you on social media. It's nice to see you digitally. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So Congratulations we, on both you guys' success. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, go back to work. Go finish work. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yes. it's just, you know, just a whirlwind. You know, this is, you know, fresh for both of us. You know, um, you know, actually living in our truth. You know, he proposed on Valentine's Day, which everybody think is so cliche. And like, oh, my God, Valentine's Day. But it was just like, hey. But my thing is, it's like... Engaged, what are you going to say? Right? No, it's Valentine's Day and that's cliche? Like, yeah, I'm going to say yes. What are you talking about? I'm, right. I'm one but for those then, moments. I'm big for right. cliche <laughs> moments. I upstage my sister on her birthday because her birthday is on Valentine's Day. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sis. <laughs> it's all love. It's all love. Yes. But uh, that's awesome. So I have a fun question to ask okay. you, uh, one that I was thinking about. So... I mean, I know that, you know, chicken Alfredo, you said, is your thing and you're bringing Philly down to the south, which is great. But if we had gun to your head, you got to make a dish right now that, you know, is going to smack. It's going to be great. Like, what is that dish that you're going to make and why? 
I'm going to make my famous seven cheese baked macaroni and cheese. Ooh. The reason why I'm going to make it because it doesn't matter where I go or what I do. Everyone, everybody wants the macaroni and cheese. It, it was published in Sheen magazine um, uh, about a year or so ago in their holiday edition. Everybody wanted. If you watch Fox 29, Good Day, Mike and Alex loves it. You know, I have made it for countless celebrities and you know, cater parties. It doesn't matter. Everybody wants the macaroni and cheese. I can make it in my sleep. I can make <laughs> it. You know, I think I'm gonna take it to my grave. I'm gonna be making it up in heaven for everybody up in heaven. So macaroni and cheese, I'm definitely do the hands down macaroni and cheese. Okay. All right. I like that. So, and that's the thing. Like, you can't mess up the macaroni and cheese now. That's that'll get you kicked out the Thanksgiving. <laughs> get you kicked out the family. Heck with the Thanksgiving. Don't even come back. You cannot come back. You know, go stand in the corner. You're on punishment for a couple of seasons. And, right. You know, that's it. You just stand over there. Bring the plate exactly. to the cups. That's you want you salad now. You want chopped salad now. That's <laughs> your role. <laughs> no, you want paper duty. You bring the oh, paper plates. Oh <laughs> man, you want paper duty? That's that. And if you That's a hell of a demotion. <laughs> yeah, man. You got a comment in the chat that says you can't go wrong with mac and cheese. I agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. But you can't, but everybody cannot make macaroni and cheese. It's it's the consistency. Sure. You have to, it's macaroni and cheese. You have to have milk and you have to have cheese. But it's a way how I make it is brings out the flavor. So I do seven different cheeses. Well, and, you can know, you tell and, us the cheeses or are they secret cheeses? No. So I do. I know I do. I do Gouda. Uh, what's the other one we use? Havarti. Okay. Um, the sharp, the seriously sharp. Um, no, the one we make the sauce all the time. Gorgonzola. Okay. So, you know, just to get you a little spit. And, you know, we go crazy. I don't make a roux. Um, you know, I know how to make turn my milk or, you know, into the cheese sauce. So, you know, I got this down pat. Okay. So when I come down there to your restaurant, I'm going to be like, I need to see Chef Kenny. I need the Hell's Kitchen Alfredo. <laughs> and I need the seven cheese mac and cheese. Oh, I got you. I definitely <laughs> and a Philly cheesesteak on the side and a Philly cheese <laughs> to steak go. Salt, <laughs> Salt, pepper, ketchup. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. That's right. Um, I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm looking for, I'm in South Carolina all the time. So okay. I definitely pop in and out of there all the time. So that's definitely not a problem. Oh, I'll make that so, up. Um, so we're in Columbia. So the restaurant's going to be in Columbia. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's not a problem. So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about this teaching. I remember in the beginning of the show, you mentioned that you were doing teaching or you wanted to do teaching. Have you thought about potentially doing like teaching children how to cook and stuff like that? Or is that something you're currently doing? I have. That's what I was doing prior to the pandemic before, you know, we was laid off and let go. I was yep. actually the food service director at uh, a Montessori charter school in Philadelphia. And then um, then I got approached to do culinary classes in the summer and during the school year. So I was a culinary teacher, an art teacher and a food service director all in the same school. So my I was teaching the kids how to cook. You know, pretty much everything was like healthy and cooking everything from scratch. We had a garden that the kids worked in the garden outside in the backyard of school. So they would put their own fruits and vegetables and herbs. And then we would come back in and we would cook that. In the summertime, we had a culinary program at the school. And I was doing that as well. And pretty much it's, you know, I'm a teacher by trade. You know, I always teach. I always had to be a teacher growing up. As all my siblings and my cousins, if we played school as kids, I was the teacher. Okay. And they always used to say, Kenny, why are you the teacher? Because I'm the oldest. 
because <laughs> I'm the oldest one. That's why. <laughs> so I have a, a friend of mine or a colleague who is uh, doing a, or working with an organization called Cultured Kids Cuisine, where they're doing something similar. They're teaching kids about cuisines from around the world, stuff like that, and definitely from different areas of the United States and all. So I would love to kind of put the two of you guys in touch and yes, see. I don't yes, know how yes. you can collaborate, but there, there's got to be room for you guys to maybe work Let together. Me tell you and I am a plane ride away to wherever I have to go. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't driving because that nine-hour drive from Philadelphia to South Carolina, that was yeah. a little bit much for me in a U-Haul truck. But I do an hour some change plane ride from down south to so up north. So wherever I have to go, long American Airlines, Delta, United, Frontier, somebody's going there, I will be there. Okay. A uh, question in the chat just popped up from Ebony Graham out in Atlanta, who's a very big foodie and a friend of mine. She wants to know what the name of your restaurant is. I told her it hasn't been announced yet. You got to keep it locked and stay tuned <laughs> to find out that information. Yes. So at the end of the show, I'm going to give you the opportunity to shout out your contact information and stuff like that. But if people want to you know, find you and follow your journey so far, where can they find you? Definitely, you guys. Um, I'm right here on Facebook, Kenneth J. McDuffie. My Facebook page is open. I tell everyone, jump in and engage with all the crazy commentary <laughs> that I put on my social media. You don't have to be my friend, but, you know, um, my page is open so you can follow. You can comment and join in with the action. Instagram, definitely follow me. I'm not one of those Instagram people who just, like, you know, allow their DM to build up. I do respond to all of my messages. So Instagram is young and hungry catering one six number 16 so young a and a and d hungry catering 16 follow me on instagram you can follow the journey from everything from me with the dog <laughs> newly engaged food the business everything it's the whole journey all over social media so if you don't follow me on facebook or instagram you know definitely you will get the best of both worlds on both platforms isn't it crazy how he can change your whole life for you you know like you was really, you know, at rock bottom, it seems like. And now looking at you and, and seeing your fiance pop into the screen and looking at all your accomplishing, I can tell you're just, you're through the roof and you're 180 degrees different from when you were before. Let me tell you something. I owe it all to prayer and, you know, just seeking God out more, going to seek therapy, sitting down, talking to somebody. Like black people, we think it's so taboo to go seek therapy. Let me tell you something. Therapy changed my life. And then yes. also- you know, during the pandemic, I went up to 300 pounds. I'm down to 230. So I did this. I'm on this keto diet, have more energy. So I'm just <laughs> like rocking it out. So it's just like really a blessing. I mean, just thank God for all of it. I don't take any of this for granted at all. I don't take it for granted at all. Yep. So comment in the chat. Um, Ebony says she's going to start following. Um, and also that mental health is very important. That's yes. something that's very taboo. For some reason in this community, we make it such a, a big deal to go and talk to somebody about how you're feeling. But we are the race that needs it the most, you know, based on what we deal with on a regular basis. You know, there is nothing wrong with going to seek mental health and, right. you know, seeking somebody out to help you get a handle on your mental health. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I wish, wish, wish that this world didn't make it so taboo for you to do it. And I just want to, you know, say something about that is that, you know, black parents, you know, stop saying what goes on in my house stays in my house. Because yeah. my whole thing is that you keep on saying what goes on in my house stays in my house. 
we like they need they need an outlet to talk to somebody and you're not allowing them and then you wonder why so many young black boys and girls are depressed are committing suicide taking their life at six seven eight nine ten because they can't talk to mommy and daddy because they don't know how to handle the situation get your child help the same way how you run out here and get these kids these new jordans or yeezys or new playstation Take them to see a doctor. Go to a family therapist. Sit down and talk to somebody outside of your comfort zone. I'm telling you, it helps. Yep, absolutely. Say that again louder for the people in the back. back, (laughs) Up in the balcony, too. In the nosebleeds. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I'm I'm 100% for that. And I think now with the pandemic and everything that's happened, there is a lot of opportunities with somebody um, on a therapy level where you don't have to, you know, actually go into an office. If you're uncomfortable going in and sitting in someone's office or whatever, you can actually, you can actually find apps that will connect with you. They will take your insurance or whatever, or they don't charge as much, you know, and so you can talk to somebody and just start the process, you know, and if let internet or, you know, app therapy be a gateway for you, you know, try it out and see how it feels. And if you're like, okay, this is good. This is something I want to invest in. It's something I really want to put my time into. Then you can start to look for, you know, maybe an actual doctor to go sit down with and talk to, you know, but there are so many programs out now, some of which are even free, um, where you can just talk to somebody and tell them what's going on. And I, I say, you know, if you're feeling like a little taboo or feeling uncomfortable with it, test the waters, go try out one of those apps, go talk to somebody, just get some things off your chest. And, you know, if it works out for you, like we think we know, we know it will, then you'll want to seek out a doctor to, to do this regularly because mental health is key and it is really important. So definitely, that's my plug for mental health. <laughs> well, I don't want to hold up any more of your time. I have one more uh, fun question for you, and then I will give you an opportunity to shout out your contact information one more time, and then I will let you go because I know you got a restaurant to run and things yeah. to do. Um, so my last fun question is, what was your most memorable moment on the show thus far? Um, my most memorable moment on the show was, you know, just having the opportunity to work and be in the same atmosphere with Chef Gordon Ramsay. Um, getting uh, uh, um, what's a catchphrase named I'm a donut. He a donut. (laughs) Just actually just having that. It's like just being cast on the show. I don't care. I was on there for five minutes. I was on there. I'm a part of Hell's Kitchen history. I mean, people know me by face and know me by name. You know, Mm -hmm. I had people all walks of life, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, you know, it doesn't matter. People know who I am now, not just in the United States, but the UK and Australia, all yep. over the world. So it's actually a blessing to have this black boy from North Philadelphia on national TV just cooking. I may not give you what I do, but you can see what I'm able to do. Because let me tell you something. There are people out here who are way far more experienced than me who applied numerous times to be on the show and didn't even get cast. Yep, absolutely. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give to folks who may be where you were years ago? You know, you've turned your life around at this point and you're you're at this, not a peak, but you're definitely, you're climbing, you know, climbing in your career for sure. And so what would you give to somebody who may be struggling with the same things you were struggling with a few years ago, look, thinking about the same things you were thinking about? I just say... Prayer is the key. If you don't have a prayer life or a relationship with God, I say get one. I say seek therapy, seek counseling, whatever it is that finds your inner peace, I say go for it. 
I said, and you know, I say, you know, therapy works, especially us black and brown community. Therapy works and drink a lot of water. And, and, <laughs> drink and, a lot of water, mind your business. Sea balls <laughs> and and, 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 and inco uh, incorporate sea balls into your diet. And just change not just your outer appearance, but your inner appearance. Feel better. You have to take care of your organs inside. And I just say, you know, just try to live a stress-free life as possible. You know, don't worry about the haters and the negative people. People want to talk about you until the day you die. And when you dead six feet under, they still want to talk about you, good or bad. So, you know, don't even worry yeah. about it. Facts. <laughs> Absolute facts right there. Well, Kenneth, it's been an absolute pleasure talking yes, with you i'm yes. so excited for all the things you're accomplishing i can't wait to come down and visit your restaurant and taste all your food and talk about it on all my social media platforms because that's what i do um but where can people find you and follow you and where do we tune in to find out the name of your restaurant when you drop it yes yeah, so go to uh kenneth j mcduffie on facebook kenneth j mcduffie young and hungry catering number 16 on instagram on monday afternoon Eastern time, I'm going to announce the name of the restaurant, the location, and everything. So it's a whole backstory and everything, how the restaurant name came about and everything. And you would definitely be an awakening for for the grand opening, the soft grand opening, celebrities. It's gonna be it's gonna be a whole theatrical. It's gonna be a whole a whole performance for everybody. So we definitely gonna be giving it to you guys. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, I want to thank you again for being with us today. I want to thank you for all the gems that you shared, yes. um, for being transparent about your journey and about mental health and stuff like that. That means a lot. Uh, and keep in touch. If there's other stuff you got going on, feel free to reach back out. I always love to do a where are they now episode to okay. see what's going on down the line. So make sure yeah. you keep in touch. And I'll see you in, in Colombia when you open that restaurant. Yes, for sure. yes. And de definitely people, guys, <laughs> look, men and women of color mask up keep your mask keep social distance and get the vaccine look i stepped out of my comfort zone me and my fiance we got it the other day we got our first shot um the pfizer i yes. got it because my grandparents all my grandparents got it they in their 80s they got it they still kicking and surviving they have no symptoms or nothing i am fine i'm gonna be honest with you when they gave me the first shot i had a little sore arm overnight that's it Yep. That's it at all. I tell you, safe, you know, protect yourself, protect your family and loved ones. Let's beat this thing. Let's get rid of this pandemic. Let's try to go back to normal. So Absolutely. I encourage everybody out there. And still, after you get the, the vaccine, still wear your mask, still use your sanitizer, and still keep social distance until we go back to 100% safe. Yes. Yes, sir. And thank you for saying that. Absolutely. 100 yes. percent agree. You know, put the politics aside and and think about saving the people around you. You know, like it's it's bigger than all of us at this point. And if yes. we want to get back to normal life or some semblance of normal life, we're going to need to start boosting up this herd immunity and start getting vaccinated. You know, yes. I remember. And, and you know, what? I just want to go on a little tangent for a minute because <laughs> like the vaccine is, is a hot trigger point for a lot of people. Um and I know I was on social media. I was one of those people like, I don't trust it. I'm not going to get it, blah, 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 blah. I, I mean, that comes from years worth of just black distrust in the medical industry. And, you know, I could go in for hours about why that is. Um, but I'm not because we don't have time for that. But I will say that we need to normalize changing your opinion when research is presented. You know, so many times, you know, you put an opinion out there and you're like, no, I'm sticking to it, period. That's it. But it's like when you're hit with facts and, and you know, consistent science and research, it's okay to change your mind and say, you know what, I was incorrect and I'm going to make an informed decision now and, and change my opinion. 
Um, and so I was one that was like, I don't trust it. I'm not going to do it. But when I looked at, you know, the research behind it, I talked to my oncologist because everyone knows I'm, I'm very vocal about my diagnosis. And I was that was one of the reasons I was skeptical was because of the lack of research done that I thought in, you know, a lung, the lung cancer community. And after speaking with people and talking to friends in the lung cancer community, my oncologist and doctors and everything else, you know, I made the decision that it makes more sense for me to get it than to risk not having it and catching COVID because the outcome of me catching COVID with lung cancer is way more severe than a sore arm, you know? And so for me, it made sense. So I just say to everybody, please, you know, before you just dismiss things, you know, research, do a little bit of, of digging into it, talk to people, you know, and then make your decision from there. Don't just be close-minded to, to information that's presented to you. So that's my piece. I will yes. say no more. <laughs> Kenny, thank you again for being thank with me. Congratulations you, on you. all your excess. Best wishes to you and your fiance. Thank Folks, you. I'll be back with another new episode, hopefully next week. Make sure you keep it locked. For those that missed any portion of this episode, you can catch the replay this Friday at uh, 7 p.m. on WJMS Radio. You can also follow us at WJMS Radio on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. For those folks that want to follow me personally, I am at just underscore jams on Instagram and Jamie Jam on Facebook. I appreciate everybody tuning in today, all the comments and all the folks that are watching. Make sure you guys stay safe. Like Kenny said, mask up, get that vaccine, and I'll catch you next week right here on WJMS. WJMS Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. See, we keeps it real. We always gonna keep it real. You can't knock what's real, you know what I'm saying? We telling the truth, man.